your name on high. I thank you that you have given us these truths that we can hold on to. The fact that we have your amazing grace, a grace like none other that we can cling to no matter what we go through in life. I pray today as Seth brings your word, you will give him your words to say that we may be open and attentive to what you have for us, that we may learn, grow from it, and dive deeper into relationship with you from what we hear. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome. How's everyone doing this morning? Good deal. Welcome to Farmington Baptist Church. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Seth Parnell. I'm the associate pastor here, and we are glad to have you all here. Um, I do want to make a quick announcement. Uh, if you are a teenager and you're in our fuel youth group, or just if you're a teenager, you can, it doesn't matter, we have some t-shirts, and we're going to be placing an order tomorrow. So if you guys want to buy a new fuel t-shirt, it's the red or the black one, um, you can go ahead and do that, and we're going to... We've got the, uh, the, you can go on the app or you can go on the website and you can place your order there. And that way, if you do that, you get your new t-shirt. When we go to Faith Fest here in just a few weeks, you'll have your new t-shirts when we go to Faith Fest. So that's going to be fun. But that has nothing to do with the message today. So let's get into this. Um, and you're probably wondering, what in the world does this stuff have to do with the message? So we're going to get into this. Have you ever watch Bob Ross? Just raise of hands. Anyone ever watch Bob Ross? All right. When I was a kid, I loved to watch Bob Ross. Um, I don't know if it's because his voice was so, just so soothing, and he put a little tree here, a little tree there, a happy little tree, um, or if it was just the, the sound of the strokes of the brush on the canvas. But man, it just was, it just got you. You were just so right there watching every single thing that he was doing. Um, so today... I'm going to attempt, sort of, a Bob Ross painting, sort of. <laughs> so we're going to get into this. I'm going to pull this up. Um, yeah, so don't make fun of me because I have a purple apron. This is my wife's apron, and um, I bought it for her a couple years ago because she likes to cook, and I brought it today because I have no manly colors of an apron. It's the only apron we have. So I'm going to wear this today just so I don't get any... Uh, paint on myself, and uh, let's see, let's put this here, so something that Bob Ross would always do is he would, let's see, I'm going to have to, Jonathan, I'm going to move your stuff just a hair, hope I didn't mess anything up there, um, there we go, so he, a lot of times he would use paint brushes similar to this one, this is not like an artist paintbrush, this is one that you would paint your house with. And he would use these types of tools, and um, I've even got a little putty knife here I mean, for painting. And he would use these things and just make his, his paintings look incredible. And um, so first off, what he would do is he would get his brush all nice and wet and make sure he's got all the paint off, and he would beat the devil out of it. You ever hear him say that? There's actually, actually, I need to uh, retie my, come on, done here, make sure it actually stays tied. Um, there's actually on YouTube, you can find 10 hours of Bob Ross quotes of him basically doing that whole move right there where he cleans his brush, throws it in the trash can, 
beat the devil out of it. It is incredible. It is amazing. I cannot believe that they have 10 hours of that. I don't know if it's all repeat, but it is pretty cool. So oftentimes what Bob Ross would do is he would, he would start with a little background, and he'd, uh, he'd just kind of get a little background going here. I don't know if you've ever seen a green sky before, but <laughs> I don't know what, what kind of world that is, but it's just a little background, and he talks so, so uh, smoothly, and, and do you hear the bristles on the, I'm going to put my microphone up to it, can you, you hear that? Oh, it's, just, it's just so soothing. I'm nowhere close to Bob Ross status, but hey, we're, we're doing it anyways. And he get a little background going. All right, that's looking pretty good. Make sure I don't uh, knock my canvas off of the easel here. There we go. And um, oftentimes, like I was saying, usually it's, it's, a, it's a landscape is what he paints. So he has hills, and he'll have like a little cabin on the side, or you know, a happy little tree here, happy little tree there. Um, but this morning... I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to paint a person. So I have already voluntold. <laughs> if you would like to go ahead and come on up here, Mr. Nate McCartney, uh, he is going to be my subject for the day. And everyone, let's just welcome Mr. Nate McCartney to the stage. And if you could stand just right back here, I don't want you to be able to see it, but yes, let's see. Yeah, if you could pose, just kind of like put your hand out your left, yeah, that's like you're holding a pizza, yeah, that's pretty good. Chin up, yeah, that's, that's looking great, that's looking great. All right, so first off, what I want to do is get this nice, beautiful head. All right, so um, this is not exactly your complexion, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work with it. Um, yeah, there we go. All right, so I'm first going to start out with the face because that's the most beautiful characteristic of Mr. Nathan McCartney. I'm going to make sure that his face looks all nice and beautiful. Now, Bob Ross, in order to get the, the right complexion, he would have mixed all these paints together. He would have got that perfect color. Uh, I'm not as skilled an artist as Bob Ross, so I'm just trying not to blend it into the green so it looks like he's got a green face. And that's kind of happening just a little bit. That's all right. All right, so we got, we got the head going here. Right now it kind of looks like a sunshine, but uh, it's a head. Now, make sure I get your arm. Now, you don't have a long sleeve. You've got a short sleeve, so we'll do this right here. There's the hand and arm going down. Yeah, just a happy, happy little arm. <laughs> so it's looking good. Now, I, uh, I'm going to change some colors here, so i got to get my brush all the water out and beat the devil out of it. All right. So you have a blue shirt on. That's great. I've got blue. So we're going to do a blue shirt on you. Yeah. It's looking pretty good. Pretty good. Short sleeve. There's your sleeve. All right. Mm, now you got khaki shorts on. I don't have khaki. Can't, I can't do that, but maybe we'll, um, maybe we'll do, it's okay if you wear dark green shorts, does that work? I like uh, all my natural colors, I'm more of a, a green kind of guy, I like to wear, oh, that's, that's blue, hmm. 
Let's just, let's do this. Let's do this. We'll just switch paintbrushes. Oh, yeah, I love doing that. It's so much fun. All right. Yeah, there's a little more of a green color. There's your shorts. Yeah, that's looking pretty good, isn't it? Man, if I must say so, you're going to be so surprised. All right. Now, let's see here. We're going to get the smaller paintbrush. Mm -hmm. All right. So I chose Nate McCartney today because he's bald and he doesn't have hair. It would be a little bit easier to paint him. All right. So let's see. <laughs> if you could just kind of turn your face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Nose going on. And he actually, he has a beard. That looks pretty cool. Maybe we'll just give him a mustache. I like that. That's awesome. All right, let's put some. Hmm. All right, eyeball. You have white eyeballs, right? Yeah, they are white. They're good. Okay. White eyeball here. Hmm. And. This is looking great. All right, you know, let's do. What color eyes do you have? Blue. Okay. I'll give you blue eyes. That'll look great. I'll match your shirt. is looking great. This is wonderful. All right. Now, lips. Uh, I've got sort of a darker red color. It's okay if it looks like you have a kind of like lipstick. Let's see. You got a little smirk going on, too. And I think there's a sarcastic comment about to come out. <laughs> Maddie, how, how am I doing? <laughs> Speechless, good, good. All right, that's, that's actually not looking too bad. I, I like that, I like that a lot. All right, well, I think the finished product is at hand. And, uh, all right, why don't you come, why don't you come see yourself? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. That's, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> All right, give him a hand. It was, it was a great subject, great subject. Good. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. Now I'm going to try to take this apron off because I tied it a little tighter. Um, all right, so I am not an artist. I don't know if you could tell or not, but uh, that was not too bad, not too bad of a, of a painting. So with all that in mind, turn to James chapter 3. <laughs> You're like, what in the world does it have to do with James? Well, hopefully by the end of this, you will have a better understanding. James chapter 3. Um, so I've been in a series that, we, that I call Just Do It. And it, it's been in the book of James. Anytime that I get up to preach, anytime that Philip lets me come up here and preach, I'm preaching from the book of James. And um, we've had, James is an awesome book. And it is full of so many just practical 
action-packed things that, hey, this is the Christian life. You need to do it. This is what you should be doing. Then do it. And we started out talking about doing the word, and we talked about anger, and we talked about how to, how to deal with some of these things and how we need to do the word, do what God's word says. And last time we talked about doing the faith, that it's great. We need to have an understanding of what we believe, and we need to be able to talk about these things with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but there comes a point where we have to do it. We have to do it. We have to start taking action and doing these things. And today, the title of this message, message is called Bridling. Well, it's, yeah, Do the Bridling. It's called Do the Bridling. So we're going to get into James chapter 3. And something, something about words. Words are powerful. Words are extremely powerful. It's amazing what you can do with just saying something to someone. You can get someone to move in a certain direction. You can get someone to halt in their tracks. You can build someone up. You can lift them up. Or you can tear them down. Words are powerful. And they're, they're especially powerful in a day like today where you see lots of words going in all different directions. And lots of words casting different types of beliefs and different types of, of things out there. It is important that we do the bridling of our tongue and of our words. Now, here's the thing, too. God is powerful, no doubt about it. He is so powerful that he created this universe with his words. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, God spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was light. What an amazing thing. When Jesus was on this earth, he spoke, and the wind and the waves stopped and obeyed him. God is powerful, and he creates things in this life. He creates things with his words. And I would say this, too, that we, too, are created in the image of God. And there's a certain similarity to, to, to God speaking things into existence that we also have a similar power in speaking things into existence. And before we go any further, I'm not talking about the name it and claim it theology where you speak and these things are going to happen. I'm not talking about, you know, speaking a literal physical object into existence. What I'm talking about is when you speak, you create an atmosphere. When you speak and use your words, you create a perspective on something. You create a reality that surrounds you and the people that are around you. Have you ever been in a group of people and, or, uh, in a group of people. Have you ever been uh, in, a, in a group with some people and some bad news was delivered? And the atmosphere in that room with those people, it immediately just changes. All because someone said something. All because of that. So the important thing that we, we should understand that we can create, we can paint a picture with our words. But it's important that we create and paint the proper picture, especially when we are talking about God, especially when we are talking about his word and his truth. But in every situation in our life, we need to be, be, be painting the proper picture of truth and reality. Now, I'm no, I'm no artist. Um, that doesn't really look like Nate McCartney. Um, yeah, it doesn't. There might be some similarities. But it doesn't really look like Nate McCartney, but I did the best I could. But that doesn't truly represent reality. 
So keep all of this in mind, and we're going to get into James chapter 3, and we're going to start, we're going to start reading with verse 1. And it says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So, so think about this. Our tongue, there's some amazing vivid imagery that's going on here. Our tongue has the power to direct many things. And it talks here, it talks about how a bit goes into the horse's mouth, and you can control whatever the horse is doing. It talks about a ship, that there's this tiny little rudder on this ginormous ship, and by wherever the captain decides to go, it, it just makes this rudder do this right here, and it guides the whole ship where it needs to go. Our tongue is a powerful thing. But if you notice at the beginning of this, this passage here, it addresses a certain type of people. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that the one who teaches will be judged with great strictness. So right off the bat, we know that this passage here, it's talking specifically to those who teach or those who want to teach or are trying to teach. But I would say this, don't discredit it right off the bat. If you've never taught before, this is still for you. Okay, so don't just put this to the side and say, oh, he's talking to the teachers in the room. Not me. No, this is still for you, so hang on to that. But it's important that the teachers know how to bridle their tongue. Know how to bridle their tongue. Because what the teacher is doing is they are painting a picture of a truth about God. They are painting a picture about his hope, about his redemption, about the gospel. And they are painting that picture for a bunch of people so that those people can see who God is. And if they're not painting the proper picture or the appropriate picture of who God is, it is a false picture. And James here is talking about this and he's saying, you shouldn't do that. So if you have ever been in any type of teaching situation with God's word, whether it's standing up here on a Sunday morning preaching, whether it's in a Bible study and you're teaching to a class or a group of people, whether it's in fuel student ministry, whether it's in the children's kids' worship, children's ministry, or even preschool, you are teaching God's word, and you are held to some of these standards that is, he's talking about here. And it is important that we, as we open up God's word and we teach out of it, that we bridle our tongue, that we control the words that are coming out of our mouth so that it represents truth, the picture that we're painting so that it represents truth. Um, this past year, I have gone through uh, a pretty extensive process in my ordination. And what I would do to get me ready to be ordained for the ministry, officially, is I would meet with Pastor Philip, and he would say, all right, we're going to go over a doctrine. And he would give me a certain doctrine to study over, to write a statement about, saying, this is what I believe about this particular doctrine of Scripture. 
So the Bible, for instance, I believe this about the Bible. God the Father. I believe this about God the Father. God the Son. And we go through all these doctrines. And I would, I would meet with him, and we'd talk about that statement, and he'd say, okay. He'd ask me some questions, some hard questions. What about this? What about this? Why did you say this about such and such thing? And I would, I would have to either defend, or I would have to um, give an answer for that, or I'd have to go back and say, yeah, I probably really shouldn't say that. And so after almost, it felt like six months, it was about six months of meeting with him and going after it, and I got my, my statement ready, this whole big statement, this is what I believe about God. Then I went before a group of elders and deacons, and then they grilled me, and they asked questions. And then I went before a group of pastors, and they grilled me, and they asked questions. And finally, after that whole process, they said, okay, think that what you're saying is good, is right, is true, it lines up with God's word, we're going to ordain you for the ministry. And it was awesome. It was awesome to get through, through that, that point and be able to say, oh, finally, I'm done, with, I'm done with that portion. That process, though, what it did for me is it helped me to bridle my tongue. It helped me to, to see all of these different things about God and about his word and about theology and say, I believe this, this, and this because the Bible says this, this, and this. So that when I get up here and I speak, I'm not just speaking my own opinion. I'm not just speaking my own desires. I'm speaking what is in accordance with God's word. And I would say that all of us need to do something similar to that. Because the more that we spend time in God's word and the more we spend time challenging our own thoughts and our own minds and I believe this about God, but why do I believe this? And why does the Bible say this? We, it starts to sharpen us, and the Holy Spirit does something amazing, and he works. And he begins to enlighten us, and he begins to show us truth after truth after truth. And the more you have spent time with God in study and in relationship with him and in prayer, you are ready to deliver his message. You are ready to paint a picture that represents the truth in his word. You are ready to do that. And so my encouragement to you guys, if you ever get into a place where you're going to teach out of God's word, that you take that time, that you study, you, you know what it is that you're trying to convey so that you can paint a proper picture. But I would go even as far to say this, that no, maybe you haven't been called to, to be a teacher, to teach God's word in this type of setting. Maybe you haven't been given the gift of teaching. But if you are a Christian... To some extent, you are called to teach. To some extent, you are called to teach. If you are a Christian and you are a parent, you have kids, you have been called to teach them the way that they should go. Look at this in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. It says this. Oh, wow, we go. Speaking things into existence here. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, if you are a parent, 
you are called to be a teacher. And you are held to some of these standards that James is talking about in here. But it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's something that needs to be done. But maybe you're not a parent. Maybe you don't have any kids. You are still called to teach to some extent. Do you have any friends in your life? If you do, you are called to teach them. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them to observe all that I command you. It is our duty as Christians to go to especially the lost around us, to make disciples, to teach them the way to go. And then when they are disciples, to work with them, to help them understand God's word, to help them understand the truths that they need to know in order to know right from wrong, in order to know what steps they need to take to follow after Christ. So to some extent, we are all called to teach. It may not be in the same avenue, it may not be in the same way, but we are all called to teach. And you might be, be saying, you know, that's, if you read that first, those first, um, that first verse, you know that, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's a little scary. To know that the, the words that we teach others, the words that we tell others, we're going to be judged based off of what we are teaching them. And that's a little bit scary. But you know what? That's okay. That's, that's good. It's good to have that respect. It's good to have that fear in teaching. But you also might be saying, you know, okay, maybe I'm, I'm called to be a teacher. I'm, I'm, called, to, I'm called to do these things, but how, how do, I don't have the gift of teaching. I, 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 don't have, I don't know how I can tell these things um, to my friends, uh, to the lost. I don't, know, I don't know any fancy theological words or, you know, I don't know a lot of different scripture by heart. You know, how am I to do this? Well, here's the thing. Giving the gospel to the people around you. One of the most basic things that a Christian can do. One of the most important things that a Christian to do. is probably one of the most easiest things that you can do. If a child can understand the gospel, you can teach it. And I would even say that a child could even teach the gospel. Here, I have an example here. I want you to look back up here at the, uh, at the, the beautiful painting of Mr. Nate. I want you to see this right here. Two tiny little strokes of the paintbrush just painted a symbol that speaks so many things. And how easy that was to do, let me tell you this, it is easy to present the gospel. God created this world. Sin entered this world. God loves those who are in this world, and he made a way for them to spend an eternity with him by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to be buried for three days, to rise again. And if we were to believe in that and have faith, we will have eternal life. Right there, that's the gospel. The most basic thing that we could teach those around us, but probably the most impactful things we could ever teach anyone. 
We are called to teach. We are all, to some extent, called to teach. And it can be so simple. And it can be so easy. But it's important that we bridle our tongue in that teaching. Let's, let's read further and see what this says. Um, towards the end of verse 5, it starts a new paragraph. That's where we're going to start. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Now, that's some crazy things. Something I was reading in a commentary, and this, it really helped this make sense a little bit. The entire course of life, how the, the tongue is a fire, and it, it, it's, it, it's making our entire course of life get caught on fire is basically what this is saying. But what, what does that mean? Well, in Greek thought, one way to understand this is they, they had what was called the wheel of life. And the translators decided to say the course of life because that makes sense to us to say the, the course of our life. But to them, the course of life was the wheel of life. And the picture that James here is painting is he's saying in the middle of that wheel is a little spark of fire. That's like the tongue. And as the, as the wheel is spinning, going out of control, the, the, the fire is growing and growing and growing. And that's what can happen if we don't bridle our tongue sets a world on fire. And that's what's going on there. But we, we uh, read further in verse 7. It says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's saying here that all animals, all beasts, all sea creatures... It, it can be tamed by man to some way, to some form, to some extent. You ever seen whales at SeaWorld? I've never been to SeaWorld, but I've seen them on TV. And you can get them to do certain things. It's incredible. You can train them to do certain things to where they're tame to the people around them. Have you ever seen a crazy wild horse go from being this crazy wild thing to this somewhat more subdued? He's saying here that you can tame all these beasts, all these animals, but something that you cannot tame is your tongue. Something you cannot tame is your tongue. But what you can do is you can bridle it. Now, if you know anything about horseback riding, you put a, you put a bridle on a horse and a, it's got a bit in its mouth, you can control much of what that animal is doing simply by having that bridle in its mouth. Now, Heather and I, I've, I've said this before, um, Heather likes to ride horses, and she likes to train horses, and I enjoy learning about that. And so we will, we will watch all these different training videos and stuff, and something that, that I've noticed is there's a thing where there's these wild horses out west, and they're called Mustangs. I don't know if you knew this, but a Mustang isn't just a car. It, it, it's a wild horse that's, that's out west. And what they'll do is they'll take these wild horses that are untamed, I've never really ever seen anyone. They round them up by helicopters, and they put them in these holding pens so that someone can come adopt this horse and make it into a rideable horse. That seems insane. Like, that's, that's crazy. To take a horse that spent its entire life out on the range with nothing, no, no kind of human contact, and now you're trying to get it to where it's tame. And there's kind of two methods to get a horse from this to that. And one is a very humane method where you're coming into the ring with him and 
You're just, you're just kind of there. You're winning its trust. You're building it. You're winning it over. You're building the trust that you have with this animal. And after a couple days of doing that, then you, you just baby steps. You start to do one thing after another. The next thing, you have a bridle on its head. The next thing you know, you have a saddle on its back. And then you're putting your leg over. And you're, you're warming this horse up to trust you and to be tame. But then there's another method of doing this. And it's more the cowboy method. And it's more the grit and tough and, I'm going to do this. And you just put the saddle on them and you just ride. <laughs> and you try not to get mucked off. Now, that one, that's a rough method. Especially if you take an untamed horse that you're trying to subdue. But let me tell you this. Our tongue, our mouth is untamed. But we can bridle it. We can control the words that come out of our mouth. It is hard. Sometimes you have to bite your tongue. But you can control the words that, that come out of your mouth. An amazing way to do this is, so let's look at this real quick. One way that we bridle our tongue is that we care about God and we care about others. See, the thing is, is that when your heart is in the right place, when your heart has love full, full, is full of love towards God and full of love towards others, you will speak things that would be different if it was the opposite. A verse that we have is Matthew 22. It says this, 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, this is Jesus speaking, you shall love the Lord with all your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the whole law. So take this idea into perspective here. You need to love God. The most important thing you can do in your Christian walk is to love God with everything that you have. The second most important thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, take this idea. Luke 6.45, it says this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of, the evil, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. If your heart is full of love for God, and full of love for the people around you, you are going to speak good treasures. You are going to speak things that are true. You're going to speak things that line up with God's word and who he is. So if you really want to bridle your tongue, you need to make sure your heart is in the right place first. Because from your heart is where your mouth speaks from. And it's really hard to catch it when it's here. But if you can catch it when it's here, it's so much easier to control it before it comes out here. But some other things that we need to do, kind of building off of this idea, here are some tips of how you can paint a better picture for the people around you. As we've talked about, these words that we say, they're powerful, they're, they can be destructive, they can be uplifting. There's so many things that we can do with our world words to paint a picture. And it's important that we paint a picture that represents truth. 
And it represents God. It represents his reality and his perspective on things. So some things that we can do is this. We can protect others' reputation. Proverbs eleven thirteen it says this. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. If you really love the people around you and you want your words to respect them, you will protect their reputations. And what I mean by this is people can be harmful. As you go through life, you are going to have heartbreaks. You're going to have upsets. You're going to have people who have casted words towards you or done things towards you that is just very, very, very hard to let go. But if you can protect their reputation, they have the opportunity of stepping back into your life and experiencing forgiveness. And when they're back into your life, they have the opportunity of their reputation not being slandered or destroyed, and things are still intact. And I've seen this happen. I've seen where someone has done this over here, and they have just, they've just messed up royally. They've messed up royally. And it gets to a point where you have the choice. You could say all that you want, and it would be correct. It would be right to, to, to explain what they did to hurt you You're not painting a wrong picture, but how you paint the picture might be what's wrong. Because if you say it to the wrong people and it destroys their reputation, when they try to get back into your life, there is a bridge that's been burned. There's there's just a lot of damage that has been done. So it's important that we protect others' reputation. One way to bridle our tongue. The next one is this, is to speak truth but do so with wisdom. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And I would say you could take that word walk and you could also say talk. Because in this context, this walk is talking about how we live our Christian lives. And part of living Christian lives is also what we do with our words. Speak truth, but do so with wisdom scenario I was just talking about over here where someone has done this and they have messed up. You could speak things that are are true. You could say what they're doing and it is is true. That is what they did. But if you're not using wisdom, you could could make a a bigger mess. Another thing is this. In Matthew 10, 24 through 25, it says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to beat together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you do, as you see the day drawing near. It's important that we encourage one another with our words. What an amazing way to bridle your tongue is to go through life saying, how can I encourage the people around me? Because if you're going to encourage someone, you're not going to throw crazy things and, and, and destructive speech towards them. We were doing, um, with the elders and deacons, something that we do is we have a, a, a devotional book that we go through. Every time that we meet, before we discuss any business, we go through this devotional book. And we read a chapter out of it, and we come and we discuss it. And this particular chapter, it was about encouragement and how to encourage others. And something that struck me that I've never seen, I've never really thought about, is throughout the whole book, the way he was talking about encouragement is... He kept referring to instilling courage in others. Now, before you laugh at me, because I, some of the deacons were laughing at me. They're like, how, how have you never seen this before? 
oftentimes when I think of encouragement, I think of being lifted up and made to feel better about myself or made to feel happy. That's, that's what, I, what I think of. But if you're instilling courage in someone, that will be the result. But that's not how you get to that point. You encourage others by giving them confidence, by saying, you know what, this is your situation, and it's, it's pretty bad, but you can do it. You can get through it. Here's, your, here's this situation, this, this hard thing that you're going through, but you can overcome these things. And you begin to instill courage in them. You begin to instill confidence. They can be brave about their situation. They can overcome their situation. Encouraging others is so important. And here's another one. Here's another one. This is the opposite. Don't discourage one another. I heard someone say this, that discouragement is taking courage from others. See, sometimes it's better to keep our mouths shut than to take that courage from them. Ephesians 4, 20, 29, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. If you have a heart that you want to encourage others, you're going to brock your tongue when that awful thing comes to your mouth and you just want to lay into them for something that they did. There's something to criticism. There's something to constructive criticism. And sometimes you need to tell people the what for, but it needs to be with the right heart. It needs to be with the right way and have the right motives. And it's important that we are bridling our tongue and that we are speaking truth. We are speaking and painting a picture that represents what is good, that represents God, that represents Jesus Christ. And sometimes... We just need to seize the opportunity and speak to people. Sometimes there's people out there that they just need to hear the truth of God. They need a better picture painted for themselves, for this life. They need to understand that there's hope in this world. They need to understand that Jesus Christ has come into this world to redeem them. They need to understand that there is something good to the treasure of following God. See, I had a, um, had a friend this past week, uh, some tragic news that was just dropped on me. He had passed away. There was a friend that I wasn't, I wasn't super close with within the last few years, but I grew up with him. And I've thought about him quite a bit here lately. And immediately what came to my mind was when I, when I heard of this tragedy, I thought, man, if I, had, if I knew this was going to happen, what would I have said to him? What would I have told him? See, he had struggles. He had struggles that he dealt with, and it was hard on him. What would, what would I have said that could have caused a difference in his outcome? And oftentimes we think, we have this thought, you know, if today was my last day, what would I do differently? How would I live better? How would I do things different? But I want to I wanna challenge you to have another thought that's just as important. If today was someone else's last day, what would you say differently to them? 
Would you seize that opportunity to speak truth, to speak life, to bridle your tongue, say what you need to say, to say what God wants you to say. Sorry. (laughs) I was hoping I wouldn't go, go that far, but it is so important that we take the opportunity to, to speak truth to others. It is so important that we seize those moments and we speak what God has placed on our hearts, that we paint <laughs> a true picture of his grace and his forgiveness and his beauty. <clears throat> this is not a true picture of Nate McCarty. <laughs> This is a picture that I tried to paint, but it did not represent who he really is. He looks a lot better than that. (laughs) He looks a lot better than that. But I am no artist. I am no artist. But I know some artists who could get up here, and they could paint a beautiful picture, and it would look just like him, and it would portray the beauty of his bald head and of his beard and all of his features that his wife fell in love with many years ago and still is in love with. We, too, as teachers of God's word, whether we are up here on a Sunday morning or whether we are just speaking to our kids, whether we're speaking to our friends, we need to paint an accurate picture of God and his love that he has for us. I just want to say this as I I get ready to close. Um, I heard a quote from a, a pretty cool guy last week in a message on this stage, and right before he said this quote, he broke a mirror. (laughs) And I don't know if you were here for the first service, um, but I was, and I saw that mirror shatter. He was right here, and he was making an awesome point, and he shook the mirror, and it just just shattered, and shards of glass and whatever mirrors are made out of just went everywhere. And I don't know if this quote grabbed me because he just broke the mirror and I was, I was in tune, I was focused, but it, it was something very, very powerful, <clears throat> very powerful. And he said this, he said, the reason people are so depressed is because they are listening to themselves instead of talking to themselves. They are listening to all the false words, all the negativity all the bad situations that are rolling around in their head, all the perspectives and the paintings that have been painted for them that don't represent truth, that don't represent reality. Now, I'm not up here saying that depression is not a real thing, that it's just the blues and get over it. There are are times that depression is, is heavy and it is hard, but it always paints the wrong picture. It always paints the wrong picture. But if we would stop listening to ourselves, and we would stop listening to what our mind is telling us, and we would stop listening to what the lies and what the devil is, is whispering into our ears and start talking truth, the truth that is in God's word, and start talking that to ourselves, we would be a changed people. I truly believe that. <clears throat> if you are going to be used by God to paint a beautiful picture of truth to change someone else's reality, you have to first allow God to paint that picture for you. You have to first submit to him and say, Lord, this world has so many different pictures out here, so many different paintings for me to to look at. 
but I'm going to allow your perfect picture, your perfect painting of reality to be what I choose to hold on to. And that needs to be what you listen to. That needs to be the picture that you sit and stare at all day long is the picture that God has painted for you. And it is in his word. It is in his word. Spend that time studying. Spend that time spending. Spend that time with him. Change people. Change the world. We have to be changed first. We have to allow Jesus Christ to speak into us first before we can speak into others' lives. So just as God spoke this world into existence, he spoke a way for you to have eternal life and eternal peace through his word. And with the blood of his son, he painted a way for you to have peace with him. He painted the beautiful picture of redemption. And all we have to do is trust him. All we have to do is reach out and say, yes, Lord, I believe this. I have faith. This is what I put my hope in. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you for your word. (laughs) I thank you for the words that you speak to us that are truth. And God, in a world of confusion, in a world of many different messages, we have your perfect message of truth. And I thank you for that. God, I pray that we would be wonderful artists And we would paint beautiful pictures for people to see the goodness of who you are. And that as we teach your word to others, no matter what avenue that might be, that we would do do an amazing job and we would take time to study it. We would take time to make sure that we are correct. But we would seize the opportunity and don't let it go away from us. And that we would paint that picture for someone who needs it. God, I pray that you you would just speak. Speak your words of truth to all of us. Help us to have changed hearts. Help us to have changed lives so that we can go out to this world and we can be that avenue of change for someone else. Thank you for all that you do. Amen. All right. This morning and every day as you wake up, you start with a brand new canvas that your tongue paints a picture on. You create some of your environments. You do. So this morning, I don't know what environment was like in your home trying to get people ready for church. I don't know if it was a pretty environment or a horrible environment. I don't know what type of environment it was, but this is what I do know. If you take the principles of this message that you just heard, you can actually change that picture from bad to good. And if it was a good picture this morning, you keep painting that picture with your tongue and you keep creating that environment. Now, you might think that you don't have the power to to do this. Well, you do have some power this and you do have some control but what you also have is the Holy Spirit inside of you that can enable you to paint the picture that you need to paint with your tongue today. You need to paint the picture of a living gospel for your family, for your friends for everybody you come into contact with, for that person that you are angry at and for that person that you love to death. Everywhere you go, use the power of your tongue to paint a beautiful picture amazing thing about God's grace is even if you started to create a bad one, 